aloha to everyone out there in a primo land. It's time for another deep dive into marketing goodness. This time we're nerding out on customer experience and we've got some amazing cheat codes in store for you. I'm Sam, Sam I am, content director here at a primo, joined by our host and CMO, Ed Brielt. Ed, who are we talking to today and what should our listeners be on the lookout for? We are speaking with a certified customer experience professional. Her name is Jeannie Walters. She's the CEO and founder of Experience Investigators. She's a podcaster. She's an author. And she has some of the best customer experience, thought leadership and content with very strong authority and utility that I like to consume and I recommend folks check out as well. Yeah, I, I love this one just because of you know where we're at today with the the, the bleeding of B two B to human to human, and there's just so much going on on the the landscape of customer experience, emotions, human relationships, and how you can use that to pair with the data um, and your metrics to tell a full story. Absolutely, and I really enjoyed talking to her, and she really lives her mission of creating fewer ruined days for customers. Oh, I love it. Well, surf's up. Let's get into it. Here we go. Uh, welcome, folks, to another episode of Marketing Cheat Codes. I'm very excited today to have a customer experience master, CCXP, Jeannie Walters. She's the CEO and founder of Experience investigators. Jeannie, welcome to Marketing Sheet Codes. Thank you so much, Ed. I'm really happy to be here with you. Excellent. And so I'm going to, I've never done this yet on the Cheat Codes podcast yet, but I'm going to come right out of the gate and say that you've got a cheat code that I think for marketers, is it like hits you hard. You challenge marketers to sweat the small stuff. Mm-hmm. That mm -hmm. those little things, those micro moments, and I, I really want to spend some time with you on there. Um, you've been on the TED Talk stage talking about this, and it really inspired me. Uh, do you think there's like this sixth sense for marketers and experienced leaders? Those the details that matter, those micro moments. Not everybody can see, feel, anticipate those. Would you say that that's a cheat code? Yeah, I love that. I love thinking about it that way. I think that, you know, we often are told these big, huge messages in marketing and customer experience. We have to wow the customer every time and we have to do all these amazing things. And really, it's about those, those interactions that lead up to a relationship and maintain a relationship. And so just like any other relationship, if you think about it, if you have too many of those small negative moments, that starts eating away at trust, that starts uh, making you doubt even when there are good intentions. And if you, if you shift the balance and have more of those small but meaningful positive moments, then when you do have negative things happen, because that's life, it happens, you have enough in that emotional bank so that you can really overcome that together. But I think we always have to think about that balance. How are we over-delivering on those positive moments so that when the negative happens, we are prepared for it, our relationship is strong enough, we have enough trust, all of those things. So I, I think it is a cheat code because a lot of the messaging out there is about 
don't sweat the small stuff, just worry about the big stuff. And I, I tend to think differently about that. Yeah, I love that. That's, that's a contrarian statement, but it's so true. And it's a skill. And are we brave enough to sweat the small stuff? Are we willing to invest in the front end? Mm -hmm. uh, that's awesome. Jeannie, let's take me back to the beginning of you, your career, uh, how you got into customer experience, your certifications, your, mm -hmm. uh, your thought leadership in the topic. Um, take me back to the beginning. Take me through your career journey. Sure. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people are not surprised to hear that I did not, you know, major in customer experience in college. It wasn't really a thing, right? And now that's what's so exciting about the industry. It's grown so much. But essentially, I started off in fundraising consulting, and then I was in marketing. And really, it was when I was a partner at a marketing firm, and we started realizing, you know what, nobody is really looking out for the customer. And so we literally shifted um, the entire agency and started talking about ourselves in this way as a customer experience firm. And at the time, everybody thought we were crazy. They thought I was crazy. <laughs> and then in 2009, I started this company. And part of my motivation there was that all the walls be between you know, corporations and brands and customers were completely falling down. They had they had already started to evaporate with kind of the internet in general, and then social media. Just there, it was a whole new set of rules. And so, really, my goal was to get brand leaders to think about this, to think about how you're not dealing with a third party anymore. You're not. You don't have layers in between you and the customer. You're dealing directly with customers, and they have different expectations. So let's figure that out. And essentially, since 2009, we've been guiding different leaders to help them understand their customer's journey in the best possible way they can, and to then take action about that to move the organization forward. I think sometimes we talk about customer experience, and this happens in marketing too, where we, you know, the old, like, let's throw the spaghetti on the wall and see what sticks. And that's mm -hmm. the strategy. And I think we have to really start speaking differently about that and customer experience has so much return on investment and we don't talk about it. And so leaders start questioning, is this a real thing? Is this worth an investment? But if you really understand how to define success around it and how to measure that success, you see progress everywhere. You see that return on investment everywhere. So that's really a lot of what we do. And, and part of that is through that thought leadership. And that was really me just sitting down and starting a blog in 2009 and just writing about this stuff and that's grown into, you know, keynotes and webinars and all those good things. But it's really about, I, I see my role as empowering leaders to live our mission, which is to create fewer ruined days for customers. And so if I can educate and empower leaders to do that, then I'm living my mission as best I can. Have you trademarked that statement? Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty well known as as ours too. Yeah, we've been, and that's been the mission of our company since we started. And that's because really, that's what this is all about. It's not necessarily about making everybody's day perfect. It's about let's just help them get through their day a little easier. Let's make sure they don't have to call the service line. Let's make sure they get their latte in five minutes. Let you know whatever. But I think it's about those small moments, and I'm I'm really passionate about that. Yeah, and it's almost it's it's minimizing the negative. Mm -hmm. We're in this neutral state, let's say, and then it's you can have one bad experience and you lose a customer yep. for life. So if if you're customer intimate, we'll get to that in a little bit, and or thinking about 
what are all of the negative possible experience says we can we can remove make never happen mm-hmm. and or be responsible for that's the mission of customer experience yeah Would you agree with that yeah i mean essentially we have a contract with customers they they pay us to do something for them, to help them achieve a goal, to help them have an experience, to help them feel a certain way. And so when we are putting obstacles into that journey, then essentially we are we are breaking that contract with the customer. And so I think our job as customer experience leaders is to really make sure that we understand that customer's journey in, in real life. It's very easy to look inside the organization and look at a process map and think, oh, everything's going great. And if we don't take the time to really understand the customer's actual experience, their real lives, when are they doing this? Is it a lunch break that's about to be over? Is it, you know, all of these different things that happen outside of the linear journey that we think it is? We have to think about all of that because then we can serve them more. And then essentially, the other part of our job is getting other leaders to understand and care enough so that everybody in the organization really understands that their daily efforts contribute to the customer experience, whether they're customer facing or not, they are contributing to the customer experience. And so if we can do that, if we can work inside the organization and understand what's happening outside of the organization, that's the magic. That's really when when the role becomes a calling, <laughs> when we we are able to push all those goals forward, that, that can be very exciting. Cheat code right there. You've got to have any possible customer interaction touch point across your organization, having your folks on the inside understand mm-hmm. that they're going to impact the experience positively and or negatively. Yep. It sounds like there's to do this right. Let's go back to, and I want to, I would love to understand your definition of customer experience. I think many folks have different definitions. It means mm-hmm. different things. Um, when you define, when you go to organizations, brands, you work with them, they've got customer experience initiatives. How do you start the process of defining what it is and mm-hmm. it's, we'll call it its scope. I don't like saying that, but, but the scope of customer experience, how do you define, how do you define it? And then how do you working with all these brands find that they define it in or change their definition once they go mm-hmm. through your process? Yeah, I love this question because I think it's something we don't talk about enough. Uh, because you know, I have leaders who call me and they say, "We're starting customer experience," and I'm like, <laughs> "I've got news for you. <laughs> you are customer did, experience. <laughs> yeah, it happens whether you say those two words or not. Like, your customers are having an experience, and the the customer experience from their perspective and the way that we have to think about that. The formula I like is it's expect expectation minus perception multiplied by emotion. And so essentially what that means is whatever I expect is happening um, before I walk in, before I have this interaction, based on what you've told me and your marketing and your branding and what I've heard from others, based on that, if I go in and I think it's going to be a high-end experience and it's not, I'm going to be disappointed. If I go in and expect a low-cost experience and that's what I get, I will be happy. It's all about that expectation perception. But that's all wrapped up in emotion. And we have to remember that. We make decisions based on emotion. We do all sorts of things that make no sense based on emotion. <laughs> and so we have to acknowledge that too. So that's really what's happening with customer experience. But inside an organization, it's about customer experience management. And the way I like to define that is 
to do this well, you need to think about it as a mindset. This is something you have to culturally really embrace from the top and make sure everybody understands the role of this. You also have to define a strategy just like anything else. You can't say like, you know, we're doing marketing now. You can't just say like, that's what we're doing. We have no goals. We have no strategy. We're just going to do marketing. But that happens with customer experience all the time. So you have to define that strategy and then you have to apply business discipline. You have to make sure you're measuring the right things. You have to make sure you're taking action. You're, you have to make sure you're strategically communicating within the organization to get this internalized and throughout the organization. So there are all these steps to it. So I think the scope of it it really does touch every part of the organization and the organizations that do this well have it come from the top and have it kind of be like any other part of the business, how we do business. It's not something you add on. It's not something you talk about as if it's a soft thing. This is a business strategy. It helps move your organization forward. And we have to remember that and repeat it again and again to get everybody on board. And then the scope is really about that. It's about your goals. What are you trying to do? That's how you define the scope of where you're putting in the effort and the investment around the inside for customer experience management. That's I love how you define that and that aspect of emotion, that big, powerful elephant in the mm -hmm. equation who can magnify a small thing, that one oh, little, yeah. we'll call it abrasive experience just with emotion becomes gigantic mm -hmm. and it goes out on the internet and it goes viral and the word yep. of mouth. And yep. And we have to, you know, I think that's what's so powerful about really understanding your customer's real life. Because if we think like some people say, well, when they call service, this is exactly what happens. And I'm like, but what happened before they called service? We have to figure that part out. What led them to do that? And what emotional state will they most likely be in when they call that number? That's because something might not be working for them. That might be because they tried other channels. All of those things. I just had an experience myself with a bank and I had to keep calming myself down because I knew the person at the other end of the phone was not at fault. But this was the third person I had talked to. I'd been hung up on twice. And so by the time I got to the person who tried to solve my problem but still couldn't, by the way, I had to literally find myself taking deep breaths. And I said to her, I am really upset. And I know that's not your fault. And I know that's not your problem. I just want you to know the state that I'm in before we have this conversation. Because I felt like it was the only fair thing to do for her. But think about how powerful the physiological response of emotion is. Like, I couldn't even help my breathing pattern and my heart rate and all of those things because I was so upset. And their view is, okay, you got disconnected, you call back. That's not what happened, right? Like what happened was, I, you're wasting my time. You're wasting my time. I'm repeating myself. I feel like you don't care about me. All of those things start piling up. So that's where I think we underutilize emotion in our planning and in our understanding of the customer experience. Yeah, an amazing cheat code. We really have to understand the emotional dynamics. And then the other side of that too is this concept of organizations being data-driven. Mm -hmm. What have what are your thoughts on that working against the customer experience where you've got this, this quantitative side? This could then be, I think that the quantitative data-driven could lead towards actually 
bad experiences mm-hmm. because maybe the person on that other end is driven by, you know, metrics that they're they're performing by, but the emotional aspect is not yep. brought into the data. So how how have you seen where maybe we've brands over rotate on being data driven and mm-hmm. therefore completely absent of being able to handle the emotional aspects of customer experience? Well, I think any customer who's had that experience of somebody saying to you as they hand you the card or as they ask you to fill out the survey, you know, if we don't get a five or a 10, I can you let me know before you put that in there? Um, or, hey, if you do this, I it affects my wages or whatever. There are so many times when customers are put into a position to literally help gamify the numbers. <laughs> and terrible. so if we're only looking at numbers and if we're only measuring from surveys or customer feedback that they tell us, we're going to miss opportunities to really understand. And so one of the things that I kind of warn against is I sometimes see entire customer experience programs where their entire goal is sending out surveys and then reporting on the numbers. That is their entire role in the entire organization. They have no power to actually make changes. They have no power to figure out why those numbers are moving the way they are, but they're told they better have that dashboard ready every month so that everybody can see it. So what they become are number narrators. They literally just talk about numbers Numbers do not move humans. We can look at charts and graphs all day. They're important. I think there is absolutely a place for data. But I also think that we have gone so far that we lose our senses sometimes. I mean, we have been, I've been in rooms where we are maybe doing journey mapping or something and everybody says, oh, that uh, customers hate that part of the journey. That's a terrible way to treat them. We need to fix that. We should send out 20,000 surveys to find that out. No, you don't have to do that. <laughs> like, if we all agree, this is a terrible way to treat people. We would not treat our mother like this, but we're going to treat our customers like that. That is data. And the other thing that I sometimes get in trouble for by my data friends is I really think anecdotal data is data when you're talking about humans. If you hear a story about somebody treated so poorly that they were upset, that they reported it, all of these, you, you can tell where everything broke down. You don't need to know that that happened to 20,000 people. It happened to one. And that sometimes should be enough. I'm not saying we have to revamp all of our legacy systems or anything like that. We still have to prioritize. But there are times where I think humans relate to other humans. And so whenever I'm advising organizations, I always say, that's great to have dashboards. But that dashboard has to have a place for the real voice of the customer. So you can do this in a whole bunch of ways. You can include verbatims from surveys. You can include quotes from social media. You can include recordings from the contact center, videos that they send you. And my favorite is when you invite a customer to tell their story. And the best companies in the world do this over and over again because they know that that's the power. When somebody on that executive team hears something and puts it in their heart, they're much more likely to care about it and see it through rather than just watching numbers go up and down. Yes. Stories allow us to have human emotion. You've got the, whether it's the hero's journey or Mm -hmm. you got the core character in there, moving through an experience verse, I'm looking at sets of data, scores, surveys, Mm -hmm. which have, like you said, they've been gained. 
Yeah. Well, and in some cases, yes. And I think that there's a place for that, but there's no, there's no one magic metric. There's no metric that's going to tell you exactly what's going on. You have to use both sides of your brain and look at the quantitative and the qualitative and behavioral analytics, like how are customers actually behaving? What is your retention rate? What is your customer referral rate? Not just what they tell you, but how they behave. And that's what can really be enlightening when we're looking at all of that together. That's what gives you the picture, in my opinion. Yeah. And for for brands who would identify as we're overly data-driven and we're Mm -hmm. lacking some of the um, qualitative aspects of the customer voice in our, where do they start to, where, where can they go first? Mm-hmm. What's a good way to move in, in a, a proper direction? Mm-hmm. Well, I think some of this again, comes back to your goals. What are you trying to do? But I would also say this is where customer journey mapping can be really powerful. Um, I'm a big fan of journey mapping and I like to say it's a verb, not a noun, (laughs) because it's not really about the deliverable. Everybody gets obsessed with the deliverable, but the process of journey mapping is very enlightening. And if you've never really tried to understand the customer's journey before, that can be a really great place to start because then you'll start finding ways and finding places where you want to dig in more. And sometimes that means customer interviews or inviting customers in to share their story or all sorts of things. One of my favorite examples is um, a cable technology provider. They have a special innovation lab, essentially, and it's all about how do our products work for our customers with disabilities? And so they invite people, their customers in who have various disabilities to help them with the prototypes, to help them move forward, to help them make sure that they're really understanding that journey. That all that action came out of really deciding to understand, like, we're going to journey map this and figure this out. And from that, they created this incredible innovation center that is serving people in a really, really meaningful way. And so I think that that's a place to start because that will kind of shine a spotlight on where you might want to dig in more, where you might want to get more of the voice of the customer or just invite customers to co-create with you. That's awesome. I love the the concept of innovation centers and involving your customers. Um, are, are you seeing that organizations are able to successfully establish those and get value within a meaningful period of time or mm-hmm. is it how can how can that fail how can we avoid that the net the failure of establishing a, a key initiative like that what's the success path look like well i am a big believer in defining success from the beginning and what that means is you can't just say we're going to innovate for innovation's sake you have to you have to tie it back to your organizational goals Um, We create something called a customer experience success statement, which is literally taking your organizational goals, your leadership goals, and defining how can customer experience improvements actually drive those forward. And once you define that, then you can figure out how do we measure it. So for example, in that innovation center uh, example I gave you, well, what they found was, first of all, huge untapped market, right? Like that is, I think it's 26% don't quote me on that, but there's a there's a large number of people in our population who have disabilities. So they thought about that as, okay, this is a goal. What can we do to get more referrals? Because that was a goal that they had for the overall organization. Well, this would drive more referrals for them in a really meaningful way. So it's not just about what can we do for the customer, which of course is incredibly important. 
And even before the success statement, I like having a customer experience mission statement to really define that. What are we really trying to do for people? And then tying that to this organizational idea of goals. That's how you set up for success. Because otherwise, I see so many goals that are like, we're going to create an exceptional customer experience, or we will be best in class in customer experience. How do you measure that in a year? How do you measure that for your CEO? How do you tie that back to your organizational goals? That's why people say myths like, you know, there's no ROI in CX. That's just baloney. We just haven't defined it. So that's, that's where I would start and then make sure you're measuring that progress as you go. So many good cheat codes in there. Customer Innovation Center, Innovation Lab. I'm sure folks have branded them in, in cool ways. Mm-hmm. And that customer success statement, setting objectives, key results around success. Mm-hmm. Uh, just massive amount of uh, cheat codes there. And this is cheat codes. So what we do is we like to ask our guests about any experience playing video games or um do you have any? What were your, what were your favorite so, games? I am I am a terrible video game player, as my <laughs> two teen boys would tell you. But there is a story here where I uh, I actually worked with one of the large uh, video game production organizations, and they gave me one of their most popular games, which is a first you know a, a shooting game yeah. first yeah. person, and I was so bad at it. <laughs> That my my boys both were kind of like, this isn't even fun to play with you because I was so incredibly bad at it. But they are both really good. So I'm I'm sure I should have asked them for some cheat codes on, let's see, they play FIFA and some sport ones like that, Madden, and then we've got Fortnite and all sorts oh, yeah. of things going on here. Awesome. <laughs> That's great to hear. Uh, yeah, cheat codes are... Um advancing through those levels. Um, now, in terms of advancing through levels, you have a, tr- I want to get back on your thought leadership. You have a tremendous amount of just brilliant content that you've Thank put you. and you've dripped out there. I think, is it a 21 day? Yeah, we have a couple of things. We have a 21 day challenge and then we also have year of CX, which has a bunch of downloadables for anybody who can access it for free. Yeah, you've created a tremendous amount of tools uh, to to get that level of content produced. Uh, how did you go about doing that? How do you underscoring your thought leadership pillar that you have right now? If to produce the content, to put it in meaningful formats and get it produced out there, what was your playbook for success mm-hmm. there? Um, I I love that you think I had a playbook, first of all. (laughs) Uh, In 2009, when I started this company, I really didn't know where the world was going. I really didn't know where I was going. Um, I just started writing my thoughts out on a blog. And I did that really just for me. And it started getting a little traction, but it wasn't like blowing up. And um, and then I, I leveraged social media just by answering questions and being helpful. And one of the great cheat code oppor- right there, just be helpful. And uh, honestly, that changed my world. When I um, first started this business, I literally answered a few questions on Twitter, did not know who this person was. And they ended up hiring me and we worked together for five years and they were a large company. And so it was, it was one of those gifts, but it was also just because I really was just answering questions and trying to help others. 
And as long as I focus on that, as long as I focus on this isn't really about me, this is about exactly what I said before of I want to empower leaders, I want to educate leaders so that they can help create fewer ruined days for their customers. And by providing all this content, that's what we feel like we're doing. And so I my my advice is really just to get started. Like I did, I had somebody call me early on um, a couple years into my business and she said, I, I just want to be a thought leader. How do I be a thought leader? And I, I was kind of sitting there for a minute because I hadn't thought about myself that way. And I also, I, it, this sounds like such a silly answer, but I was like, you just have to share your thoughts. <laughs> and, <laughs> really? Um, and so I think sometimes we make it sound like it's a role. And I really think of it as it's living my mission and it's helping others do things that are going to make the world a better place. And at the end of this, that's what customer experience is all about. That's why that's our mission, because if we can make somebody's day better, they're going to bring that positivity to the world instead of that negativity. They're going to be nicer to the next person that they interact with. And I really believe that. And so I think that's what drives me. And, you know, we started LinkedIn Lives. That was a little bit of an experiment. That's gone really well. We you know, other things I've tried and they haven't gone as well. And so I've just stopped doing them. And so I think part of it is figuring out where do you want to be? What's most important to you? And don't be afraid to experiment and try stuff. People are very willing to learn. And so even if you fall on your face a little bit, if you're sharing educational content, people care and they want to support that. Yeah. And you, you've got so much to say and it's it's got great utility and value authenticity. You've built a, a very strong authority on the topic. Thank um, you. you also have a podcast. Mm -hmm. Yep. And we've been doing that since 2014. Uh, I co-host that with Adam Toporek, who is another customer service leader out of Florida. And uh, we, we met kind of by serendipity and had this crazy idea. And here we are all these years later. But that it's called Crack the Customer Code, and we interview different leaders, but we also just have episodes where he and I just kind of riff about what's happening, and uh, it's been really, really rewarding and, and fun. That's great. Everybody needs to check out Crack the Customer Code. What's next for you? What's on your maybe your, your list of hot topics you're working on, or mm -hmm. what can we um, expect to see soon? Sure. Yeah. So we, I mean, I'm fascinated by a lot of different things about the future right now, like AI. I just think it's mm. so cool. Like, don't ask me to program anything, but I will <laughs> be really fascinated by how we use it. I think that's going to be something we're exploring a lot more. Um, and then we continue to provide more resources, more ways to connect. We're getting to a point where it's hard for me to connect with as many people as I want to. And so we're creating different ways to have um, small group coaching and things like that with different leaders because uh, I do that right now one-on-one. -on -one and unfortunately, there aren't as many hours in the day as we'd all like. So yeah, we've got some exciting things ahead at Experience Investigators. And um, Year of CX is where you can find like, we do have a workbook all about that success statement and mission statement that anybody can use. So I encourage you to check that out too. Yeah. In, in terms of getting in touch with you, is there a key URL you want to drop for the audience to, to check out all your great content? Sure. It's just experienceinvestigators.com. And I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. So that's a great place to uh, connect with me too. Perfect. Jeannie, thank you so much for coming on the show. You dropped, I don't know how many I counted. That was <laughs> like, there had to have been a dozen cheat codes in there. Thank you oh. for sharing those with us today. Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. Awesome. Thank you.
Thank you everyone for joining us today for another episode of Marketing Cheat Codes. I want to thank our guests for their time and everyone out there in a primo land for listening. This episode was written, mixed, and produced by Glenn McManus. Our associate producer is Noah Horberg. Our production coordinator is Izzy Herbst. And our creative director is Sonny Okamoto. Our series is hosted by Ed Briald. And I'm your co-host, Sam Chapman. If you like what you're hearing, please rate us or review us everywhere you listen to podcasts and be sure to keep the conversation going by following us on LinkedIn and Twitter. If you have a topic you'd like to hear us discuss or want to be a guest, head on over to the URL in the episode description and drop us a line. Until next time, thanks for listening.